if I go through the book of Timothy, then you know what verses are coming next. And you'll know if I skip a verse to try to avoid something that maybe, uh, you know, you don't want to hear or I don't want to preach. And uh, but we don't we don't do that here. We try to grab the bull by the horns, if you will, and tackle all of the verses. And we don't try to just hobby horse one or two biblical doctrines. We try to get all of it. And in First Timothy chapter number five. We're going to be talking about the subject of how widows are to be treated. It's in the Bible, and God has some instruction for us. First Timothy 5, verse number 3, the Bible says, Honor widows that are widows indeed. We already give respectful attention to widows. That's the clear command. And a widow is in a dependent condition. Her husband is no longer there for her to depend on. And notice that the Bible doesn't just say in that verse, honor widows, period. It goes on to say, honor widows that are widows indeed. Now, why does the Bible say that? Because there is two aspects of honoring widows. One is a family aspect that the Bible is going to address. And then there is the aspect of when the church needs to or should step in. And God addresses that in these verses. Look at verse number four. The Bible says, but if any widow have children or nephews... Let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. Now, according to this verse, if a widow has living children, who should be taking care of the widow? Her living children. That's the biblical command. And it is a charge. The preacher is to charge those that have a mom whose her husband has died. She's widowed to charge them to take care of their family. Now, what, what else does it say? Look at verse number four. But if any widow have children or what? Nephews. So if, if, if a widow doesn't have any living children, then who is next in line? Who does God say is next in line to care for the widow? The nephews. <laughs> so the church doesn't come into play first at all. The church or the preacher is to charge its members to take care of their families. That is what we are to do as Christians. And I am not to come to your home and take care of your home and your family and tell your family how to do things. And you aren't to come to my home and tell, and tell me how I should be running my home and vice versa. But you know what we are supposed to do to each other? 
charge each other to do what the Bible says. And the Bible doesn't tell me to go to your house and you to come to my house. The Bible tells us, look, if, if, if your mama lost her husband and you lost your dad and your mama now doesn't have her, her, her doesn't have your daddy to depend on, she should be able to depend on you. That's family taking care of family. That's a biblical principle. And God says, um, first, first, to show piety at home. Young people, you might as well get some practice on this now. Look up here for a second. Young people, treat your mom right. <laughs> Treat your mom right. You start doing that now, it's going to be a lot easier when you get older. Young people, look up here. Don't come to church and treat other mamas right and then go home and treat your mama wrong. <laughs> At fir first, piety should be shown where? At home. At home. We don't want to play this churchianity game where we just come to the church house, we put on this facade, but we haven't applied anything at our home first. First, piety at home. And this is how we build strong biblical families. And that's how a biblical church is built. It isn't about the preacher as much as the world or American culture Christianity tries to make it about one man or a preacher. It's not. There's a lot more members of the body than just the guy that talks. <laughs> and God wants all of us at first piety at home. What is piety? It's holy or godly reverence toward parents. It's the affection and the, and the devotion toward their honor. You don't want to have your lips and your lives preaching two different sermons, do you? I don't. But so so many times we need to we need to check ourselves. There's also another word in this verse, show piety at home and then it says to requite their parents. It's a prerequisite. It's required to requite. It's to return or to repay. Do you... All of us at one time were dependent on our mom feeding us, clothing us, providing shelter for us, some of you right now are dependent on that. And there is going to come a day when you're not going to be dependent on that. And the table's going to flip. And you know who is going to be dependent upon whom? Mom is going to be dependent upon you. And... If your mama faithfully served you 
and faithfully fed you and faithfully clothed you and faithfully educated you and faithfully prayed with you and faithfully cared for you, it'd be a good idea to requite or to return or to repay some honor. There was a time you needed to wear a bib so your oatmeal wouldn't run down your shirt. And we're all going to end up the same place we started. <laughs> Chewing on oatmeal and it running down our... Okay? It's going to flip. What is that? To requite your parents. You know what the world says? Well, the government will take care of my mom. The government will take care of my dad. That's, that is not biblical thinking. It's not the government's responsibility to take care of widows. And it isn't the church's responsibility to take care of widows first. First and foremost, it is the living children and or the living nephews. That would be family. Family takes care. Christian families take care of Christian families. Folks, it's a home responsibility first. This is the biblical pattern. We don't want to stand. No church should stand first as the substitute for what is a family responsibility. And the preacher and the church has to, has to be able to bring these matters to light. Then the Bible says, for that is good, at the end of verse 4, and acceptable before God. It's just common gratitude and it's natural affection. You've got Exodus 20, Deuteronomy 5, and Ephesians chapter 6. It says, honor thy father and thy mother. Would anybody leave their mom out to starve? Well, the church should take care of her. Now, how about you do? If somebody's that devoted to God, take care of your mom. <laughs> These people act like they're super spiritual and they, they have no respect for their own family. They have no honor for their own parents. Honor and respect is what God says to do first in the passage. It's a debt of gratitude, living children, the debt of gratitude to a mom who supported, cared, and educated them. Now, I was blessed to have a mom that was around. Many growing up in our world today don't have a mom that's around. Instead of investing in carnival cruise lines and lavish vacations and lavish living, she decided that she was going to put her time and efforts into keeping a home and being around for her children. The, the, the favor should be returned if she's a widow. The family should take care. All right, verse number five, 1 Timothy chapter five, verse number five, the Bible says, now she that is a widow indeed. Okay, so that's, uh, remember we talked about in verse number three, you've got honor widows, and then it says that are widows indeed. So now you have this break. There's a, 
there's a point where you've got a widow. What do you do if they don't, if a widow has no living children and a widow has no, there's no nephews or children that can step in. Now the church has some responsibility based on some things. Uh, but it says now that she, now she that is a widow indeed, verse five and desolate, that means she's just overwhelmed. Back in the Psalms, it says, therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. There's something overwhelming and a desolate feeling that comes over a widow. What else it say? Trusteth in God and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day. You've got a mom who in tough times trusted God, relied on God, did what was right. Honor, honor is the point here. You can bet, you can bet that now when she's a widow, you can bet that she'll, she'll depend on and trust God in that situation. Okay, these patterns of uh, just patterns of living. Then it says, continue with in supplications and prayers night and day. We're going to get to Luke 2 in a minute, but Anna is, is an example there. It says she served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Um, in other words, the widow who is trusting God and she's happily content when her husband is no longer around. That's a widow indeed. That's a widow that is trusting and serving God despite her circumstances. Uh, we can all learn from that example. First Timothy 5, look at verse number 6. Um, it starts with the word but. So there's a contrast here. In verse 5, you have someone that is praying and is an example of uh, putting their faith and trust in God. And now verse number 6, we have the contrast. It says, but she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. You know what this verse is a picture of? An unsaved woman. How can you be alive and dead at the same time? Well, there's dead people walking all around this world that are alive. What does that mean? They're alive physically. They're dead spiritually. This is a picture of a widow that is unsaved. It's not the church's responsibility to take care of every unsaved widow in town. It's the church's responsibility to get the gospel out to the lost. And so that would be our reasonable service to an unsaved widow. But you have a woman that's not trusting God. And now her husband, he's dead and buried. He's gone. But if she has no relationship with God at all, she is just as dead. She has no life outside of Christ. She's just living out in the world like she always has. And she's just having a blast enjoying sin for a season. That's the contrast between the verse six widow and the verse five widow. The verse five widow who is saved and has been trusting God and living for God her whole life. Guess what she's going to do when her husband's gone? The same thing. Okay, verse, okay, here, 
You know the song, Must I Go Empty-Handed. Must I go empty-handed? Must I meet my Savior so? Not one soul with which to greet Him. Must I empty-handed go? Oh, the years of sinning wasted. Could I but recall them now? I would give them to my Savior. To His will, I'd gladly bow. There's a lot of saved people. There's a lot of saved ladies. There's a lot of saved gentlemen that end up getting up in years and they say, you know what? I wish I didn't waste so many years sinning or backslidden or living for the world. Regret. You know, if you live your life for Christ now, I'm talking about today. Don't worry about the past. The past is done. There's nothing you can do about it except sulk. <laughs> and if you're like me, you've got enough past to sulk about that'll just depress you and everybody around you. So rather than do that, let's focus on right now, today, moving forward. Let's have a focus for Christ. Let's have a focus on trusting and serving God. I believe God would have us all get a hold of that. All right, verse number seven, first Timothy five, verse seven, Bible says, and these things given charge that they may be blameless. This is the preacher giving the charge to the church. And like we said earlier, making it known that it's family's responsibility first to take care of your widowed mother or your widowed aunt. And, you know, it's a funny thing. It's a funny thing if you have a local church that will support missionaries who, by and large, are strangers. They don't know them. They, they certainly don't know them as well as they know their own local church family. And they sure don't know them as well as they know their own blood family. It'd be an awful thing to, be, to come into a church house and be a great supporter of foreign missionaries. Yet you won't serve your widowed mom or your widowed aunt. And God says in this verse, it ain't right. Uh, be blameless in that area. Don't be the servant at church if you're not the servant for your family first. There's family matters first, and we don't want to get that out of balance. Okay. Look at verse number eight. And we use it, man, this verse will preach all day. But notice, we read it, notice what it comes after. Notice the context. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. How's that? How's that for some stern words? God talking about the disregard for parents. Take care of your own. And it says, look, he hath denied the faith. You're against the faith if you act like that, if I act like that. We think, oh, we got four pages of doctrinal truth. We have the faith figured out, man. Look at all of the doctrinal positions that we have. From old times to end times. <laughs> you know what God says? If you don't care for your family, you don't have any faith. 
You're worse than an infidel. Confu those that follow Confucius get this. Asian cultures that are steeped in Confucianism, they understand clearly what it is to respect their parents. You know what they are? Lost, infidels. God says, if you don't take care of your family, you're worse than that. Someone that doesn't even know God. I don't want to be that. Did Christ come to please himself or the Father? We know the answer. Did he come to be ministered unto? Can I get some help on this one? Or did he come to what? Minister to. That's our Savior. Did he give his life? He did. He gave his life. And we are to minister to our family that way. Gentlemen, myself included, we are the providers. We are the ones that are to provide for our homes, not the government. Mary and Joseph didn't stop for a government handout on the way uh, to give when, when Mary was going to give birth to the Savior. They stopped and they paid their taxes and they moved on. They didn't ask for free butter. It's not the government's job to take care of us. It's our job to take care of our families. And we see a brother or sister in need. When we see a need, we step in for each other. That's the biblical pattern. But I don't want to be worse than an infidel. I know you don't either. I'm just telling you. Sometimes... We get so into our ministry that we forget about the care that our family needs. You can't be out traveling all the time. You can't be out what well, doing all the church fellowships. I mean, we've got a smaller church, but if you you know, as the church grows, there'll be there's going to be more to do. You can't make everything. You can't make every fellowship. You can't make every outreach. You forget about your family. God says, don't do that. You'd be worse than an infidel. Don't deny the faith. Don't deny the faith. All right, verse number nine, first Timothy chapter five, verse number nine. Bible says, let not a widow be taken into the number under three scores year old. Three scores. What is three times 20? That'd be 60. When does the church step in? No living children, no living nephews, and she's older than 60. See that? Three score. And then it says, uh, having been the wife of one man, she's faithful to her husband. Um, her marriage vows, we, we all know, we... That's a biblical thing. I, I don't think we can't say that enough. We see a culture now. Marriage, it, it don't mean anything. They, once you throw out the biblical definition of marriage, you might as well just throw out everything else in the Bible. Marriage is what? One man, one woman. Joined together, one flesh. And that's it. 
and you're faithful to that person. If you're married, if you're married tonight, look over to your spouse, look over to them. That's that you're, you're one, you're one. You stick together, you stay together. And that's just the way it goes. And you, <laughs> when you hit a tough time, you, you stick it out. Because tough times are going to come. You don't, you don't quit. And widows, faithful widows, they're, they're faithful to their difficult husband. <laughs> and, and husbands are difficult at times. But, some, but a widow that's stayed faithful. And then it says, um, uh, where are we at? Number nine, uh, let not a widow be taken into the number under three score years old, having been the wife of one man. I want to run a cross reference. I know we've been parking here. I'm going to look at an example. I think I mentioned it earlier. Let's go to Luke 2. We'll look at Anna. Uh, Luke chapter 2. Luke 2, look at verse 36. Luke 2, 36, we see an example. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Aser. She was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about four score. You know how you figure out these scores? You take four, score is 20. What's four times 20? 80. So four score and four years. So four times 20 is 80 plus four is 88. So she's 88. So she's above 60. That's what First Timothy's talking about. You see that? She's four score and four years. She's 88 years old and she's a widow which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. She's a widow indeed. Anna could be biblically supported by the church. She's old enough. She's faithful. She has no living children or nephews. And God says in 1 Timothy now the church should step in and provide. That makes sense? Hope it makes sense. Okay. All right, let's go back to 1 Timothy. We'll do verse number 10, and then we will close out. 1 Timothy 5, verse number 10. We'll read it from verse 9. It just kind of will make more sense or flow better. Let not a widow, verse 9, be taken into the number under three score years old, under 60 years old, having been the wife of one man, well reported of for good works. If she have brought up children, ladies, this may not, this might just be old hat to you. You, you haven't even thought about it another way because you do bring up your children and you don't abuse them. And you don't neglect them. 
and you don't not feed them and not clothe them and not educate them. But there's just as many deadbeat mamas out in this world that there are deadbeat dads. And I'm not saying it like I'm happy about it. I'm saying it, it's just a fact. Church ain't supporting that. Neither should you. Bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And then it talks about lodging strangers if she have lodged strangers. This is someone that's hospitable, ministering to the needs of others when she was able. Well, she's a widow now. She's not able to do that. You get up in years, you can't do what you did when you were younger in years. And then it says, washed, if she have washed the saint's feet. Um, Chris, I don't think you walked to work barefoot today, did you? No. None of us walked to foot, walked to work barefoot today, did we? But if we did have to walk to work barefoot and we did have to get from the south side of town to the north side of town, I'll tell you what I would want and what you would want too. Someone to wash and care for your feet. That was a common thing. Now, we don't need that, do we? We've got shoes, we've got, we've got all that. But this is somebody who cares, who ministers to, who is ministering to others hospitably. You ever come over to somebody's house and they say, oh, come on in, take your coat off, sit down, have a cup of coffee, get warmed up. Same idea. I doubt anybody comes to your house and say, well, sit down, kick off your feet, I'll wash them for you. <laughs> no. No. And foot washing is not an ordinance of the church. We see Jesus' example. He says, it, look, it's as an example and it is a way of showing humility in serving one another. Galatians 5, by love, serve one another. And that's the idea. Um, relieve the afflicted. Verse number 10, if she have washed the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted. Someone that cares for others. Someone that visits and ministers to those that are sick. How many of you youngins have been sick before? Gee, I wonder who's there to care for you. <laughs> I wonder who's there to relieve the afflicted. This is the idea. Family, you, you, it's going to turn. You're going to get where your mom's going to need your help. Minister, but she relieved the afflicted. And then the Bible says, lastly, is she, if she have diligently followed every good work. We're going to close on this thought and on this verse, verse number 10. Is this someone who actually lived like a Christian? And look, Every widow that's out there that isn't saved and had no interest in God and, you know, they come knocking on the door and they want the church to help them. The church isn't wrong when it says, no, I'm sorry, we can't pay your light bill. The church isn't wrong for doing that. The church is right for doing that. What should we do? Minister to that lost soul 
with the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what the church should do? If we have a widow and she's a faithful, saved woman whose husband's died, she's now a widow, her children are not around or not living, her nephews are not around or not living, now, now the church should step in. But it shouldn't step in to take away the responsibility of the family. The family should step in first. And so that's the, I hope we all got that. It's the biblical pattern God has for how we should treat widows.